I don't need powers to get attention or a job. So shove your shit back up your ass. So we could rule the world. I could wear a lot less. Yang Zongda. It's Jupiter's legacy. In a world plagued by boring podcasts and actual plagues, only one team of heroes fights for justice and everything that's good. Welcome to the Center Cut. I'm Dave. And I'm Michael. And we're superheroes now. We are. I'm only wearing a cape. So we're going to cancel the podcast and save humanity. Dave, I have a question, a very important question. What's with the superhero big bulge in the pants? I mean, if you had an opportunity to have a big bulge, wouldn't you? I have a big bulge, but listen, we get it. No, you don't. We already know this, that you don't. Superheroes, we know you're super. you got a big old wang. Just hide it. Leave something to the imagination. There are kids watching. They dress up like you for Halloween. Yeah. So take your hallowed weenie, pack it up, go rescue a cat from a tree or something. It's too much, man. You've gone soft. Speaking of going soft, I would rather see an actual penis than one all packaged up and bulbous like a grapefruit in a sandwich bag. I just, I don't need to see it. I don't need to see it. So this is contradictory to what I understand of you as a person, because as a child, you literally stuck a zucchini in your pants to make yourself a bulge and ran around excitedly about it. It was a squash and there weren't kids watching. You were a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, (laughs) my logic may be flawed on this one. You put Josh Demel on the screen, you have to show his bulge. It's in his contract. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Dave, speaking of Josh DeMille, today we're here because we watched the first episode and the last episode of Jupiter's Legacy on Netflix, just those two episodes, and we're going to try to guess about the middle. Yes. Jupiter's Legacy is another notch on the belt of the superhero craze. It premiered on Netflix just a few weeks ago on May 7th and is based on the Jupiter's Legacy comic book series by Mark Millar and Frank Quitely. It was number one on Netflix for a few weeks. Although it didn't get great critic reviews and is actually sporting a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes, yeah, a little rough, 82% of Google users rated it highly. So I think it's one of those shows where critics don't like it, but people who like it, like it. Got me? I got you. So it stars Josh Duhamel, Leslie Bibb, Ben Daniels, Andrew Horton, and Elena Kemporis, among a bunch of other people. They're like a, a decent number of main cast members but those are mainly the ones that we see and loved it we did we'll find out later i guess (laughs) all right (laughs) so i guess that means it's time to recap huh yeah i guess it is time for you to recap episode one of volume one is titled by dawn's early light a national anthem reference in this climate i like it (laughs) we start off upside down and this thing is already trying to make me vomit Not because of the camera shot, but because of the usual horrible child acting. Mm -hmm. Young Chloe and Brandon, who we meet older versions of later, are playing superheroes and bad guy with another kid. And Chloe uses her actual scream power, like that blonde girl from The Witcher. Yeah. The real utopian, played by Damal, flies down and pulls the old disappointed daddy on her. I don't know a lot about comics or superheroes, but there's a Spider-Man joke shoehorned in for good measure. Mm -hmm. We learn about the all-important code, which essentially boils down to don't kill the bad guys, they're people too. There's more, but 
I don't want to get into it yet, but that code is great in theory, but it's dog shit in actual real life, non-1929 practice. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. You know what code Brandon needs? What code does Brandon need? Making the prongs on his U on his shirt the same length. Yuck. <laughs> Daddy suggests ice cream, but then immediately hears cries for help and ends up being super absent father. Fast forward to now, quote unquote, and the market is tanking, which mirrors our earliest flashbacks. Spoiler alert. Brandon hears a call for help and yeets himself out of the diner. That's the first time I've ever used yeet, and I take it back immediately. It feels gross on my tongue. Nope, I like it. You can do it. I don't know if you can yeet yourself. Can you yeet yourself? Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. I don't know about that. We see some monkeys with machine guns just mowing down civilians and police, and then a woman comes up and seems like a superhero or a supervillain. The first time through, I thought she was Chloe initially. Me too. Because we didn't know. We didn't know what older Chloe looks like, and you just assume. Yep. But I also, for just a moment, thought that these were real monkeys and this world was going to be like a planet of the apes style they were going to be talking animals and shit the gorilla and like the other monkey didn't look all that real but the the chimpanzee mask like when that dude showed up i was like oh that's a that's a fucking person monkey yeah and to be fair i mean with this type of media it's possible it's possible exactly yeah so fair so this woman, this mystery woman, fist blasts these dudes in the non-sexual way. <laughs> Fuck, fist blasts the shit out of them. And uh, she's about to steal the blocks of gold for herself. And one interesting thing in the background, the van that we see has the last name of one of the comic creators on it, Quitely. Mm. And then big boy Brandon comes on the scene and he's wearing a tight blue suit. Boy. His dick and balls are just kaplow, like right in your face. I can't unsee his bulge. The long arm of justice is in his pants. Yeah, but I think they also have like a cup built into there. Like, wouldn't you have a cup built into your suit there? No, I played football when I was younger and I hated the cup. Oh, it was the worst part. You'd rather get fisted in the balls than have a cup? Rather, yes. Oh, boy. If we had a would you rather, if that is that our center chat question? (laughs) Yep. Would you rather have a cup or not have a cup in your super suit? I'd debate it. I'd debate it. (laughs) (laughs) So his name is Paragon. And he starts to fight this purple-headed monster, again, non-sexual. And we see him slam into a concrete wall as a stunned, broke version of Anthony Anderson as a security guard looks on. The mauve mistress tries to finish the job, but Utopian Van Winkle shows up and throws her through the ceiling. Apparently, the code is don't kill people, just cripple them so they live off disability and milk the system. Smart. (laughs) Yeah, he freaking tossed her into the ceiling (laughs) hard. How is that that much better than killing someone? How do you not know that that's going to kill? Right, exactly. Like, that would kill most like people. Like she's just wearing a powerful suit that lets her fist people really well. <laughs> but you like throw her against the ceiling. Man. Yeah. I both love and hate old Utopian. If they were going for a grizzled King Triton from Little Mermaid, they crushed it. They crushed it. <laughs> we finally get the intro and it's a red tinted graphic novel-esque thing. I liked it just because it felt like comic booky. It did. It felt very comic booky. Without being like super comic booky. Does it bother you that these people have been superheroes for like 90 years, yet their mailbox looks like something out of an episode of Roseanne? Is that part of their code? Like just be poor. <laughs> yeah. Or just don't don't flaunt it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's more that's more of the code is no embellishment and like showing off and Yeah, but like I get not taking money directly, but it should be like a college athlete, like 
at least you get free rum and board and all the Gatorade you can drink. You walk into Lowe's and they're like, you need yeah. the best mailbox there is. <laughs> yeah. Take this free wood. Here you go, old Josh DeMel. Yeah, because I'm sure that he probably stopped a robbery at Lowe's once. Anyway, Utopian is all dinged up and wrinkly like Mickey Rourke, a la The Wrestler. And we see a clip of one of the bads of the season, Blackstar, not the most deaf Talib Quilly rap group, but if the thing fucked a California raisin is basically what he looks like. And it turns out that old Utopian is just like all of us, drinking Miller High Life, chopping veggies with his wife of 60 years, Grace, aka Lady Liberty, and forgetting where the garlic press is, LOLs. This whole lead up scene for me felt like... They were building to the fact that he was going to die in this season. Oh, really? Just the him sitting on the bed and like having all the wounds and stuff like tell he's battered and old and tired. And the whole idea of Paragon isn't ready and yeah. blah, blah, blah. It just felt very much like I thought for sure the last episode he was not going to be living anymore. I didn't think that. I think he'll die at the conclusion of whenever the show ends, assuming they get the amount of seasons they want to have or volumes yeah. that they want to have. Or when they don't want to pay Josh Demel anymore. <laughs> that too. Yeah, I, I, I don't buy it, though. They're not like all of us. They're superheroes. There's no way they just live like regular folk. But they do talk shit in the kitchen about Brandon. The dialogue is really bad here. It's super contrived. I hate it. And Brandon hears all of it with his supersonic ears while drinking a high life on the roof. I don't understand how for 20 something years they have had a child who has superpowers and has super hearing and haven't figured out not to talk about him when he's just on the roof. Yeah. And if Josh Dumel or, or Utopian can hear people from miles away in danger or whatever making the argument that he didn't know that his son was there is also just absurd. So why in the world are they just talking about him right now? Because this whole scene is contrived, David. But speaking of High Life, the marketing gods beat me. I went out and bought a 12-pack of High Life after seeing this. I did. I was like, there's so many High Lifes, I want one. <laughs> Uncle Walter, a.k.a. Brainwave, talks to Brandon about his dad on the roof, and we get our first flashback to 1929. 15 minutes in, third timeline, I dig it. Linear storytelling can suck my ass. Yeah, there's a lot of jumping around, but they make it so obvious that they're older that it is easy to tell where, yes. where you're at. Yep. Look at Sheldon or Utopian's hair and you know where you are. Yeah. Or like how long is his beard? Mm -hmm. That's how many years it's been. So Sheldon, a.k.a. Utopian, is the son of a steel magnate and he's about to get married. We do learn that his superhero-ness is also delaying his aging. Because, I mean, we see him in 1929, and he's like late 20s, early 30s, so he would be about 120 years old in human years when we mm -hmm. see him in the present. Still aging, but not at the same pace as everyone else. So that actually makes me think of a question right now. Do his kids experience that same thing? And if so, then how many years have they lived? I know they look like they're in their 20s, but have they lived for like 40 years already? His childhood would have been normal because they didn't obtain their powers until later in life. But yeah, I mean, if his kids were born that way, you would assume that they would age at a different pace. I don't think it's as harsh as dog years. I think it's re like reverse dog years. I don't think it's like seven years is one superhero year. It's probably like a factor of three or something. Yeah. Maybe. Even based on the amount of aging that Utopian did in 80 years, I mean, I would say it's not even that even that far. I would say it's almost like... Factor of two, maybe. Less than two. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's hard to say how old he is in present. Yeah, we don't know. But anyway, Utopian, Walt, and their dad are arguing about investing pre-Black Tuesday, and we know that Walter will be correct, but of course he's the odd man out in the argument. 
it's quick, but I like the harbinger of their dad saying, you got to step off that ledge if you're ever going to soar. You tell him, future Mr. Pancake Man. Do you think, though, that Walt actually knew what was going to happen? Or he just... He was so confident in the fact that it was going to happen when no one else in the world thought it would that... It's fishy. It does make you feel like he had almost something to do with it. Right. Plus the way that his... I mean, even like the facial expressions he was making when they were talking, it Mm -hmm. made it seem like he had more knowledge than he should have. He knew odd. Yeah. Back in the present, it's family dinner time. And during Grace, a clearly under the influence Chloe shows up. She has anarchist earrings, a choker, and 90s Kelly Osborne hair. And if she were any more rebel cliche, we'd see her fishnets and misfits t-shirt. Mm-hmm. I don't like her acting. I don't like her. And maybe maybe she's better in the middle. But from what we see in the ends, Chloe is bad. Yeah. I mean, I could understand why, why people might like her as a character just because she subverts the normal superhero trope. But yeah, I don't think the actor was the best choice. She gets in a fight with her dad. There's a joke about anus, which I like, and Mm -hmm. she is a human trash pile. I just don't have any sympathy for people who complain that their life is hard because of lofty expectations and overbearing parents. Like, suck it up. Some people don't have water. I'm sure you'll be fine having to do another photo shoot. Yeah, it is interesting, you know, when some people don't have parents. Right. So don't complain about yours being really great. Caring too much. (laughs) Yeah. Brandon and Chloe fight outside and there's i think there's a happy medium between the two of them i I really do i mean brandon is just trying too hard maybe so i I get some of chloe's arguments i'm not saying that it would be easy to have those parents i just don't think it's as hard as she makes it out to be yeah when they're just bitching and moaning about the fact that their dad was never home it's like yeah because he's saving the world you (laughs) spoiled brat if daddy went and had ice cream with you, someone would have died. So fuck you. Exactly. We get an artsy shot of Utopian cleaning a dish. <laughs> that's not a joke. That's actually something that happened. The director was trying way too hard with that one. And then we cut to Brandon out at the club with Tectonic. And we learn another part of the code is no self-endorsement. I think that explains why they live like the Connors from Roseanne. I mean, their house is nice. But for being a superhero for 90 years, it's underwhelming. Agreed. Tectonic thinks Brandon is wasting the moment, quote unquote, by trying to live up to his dad's standards. And it's already starting to feel redundant here. All of this is already implied. I just don't need to hear it regurgitated again and again and the thing i noticed too is that it was it was still happening at the beginning of the last episode Mm -hmm. which makes me feel like this entire season was just like is brandon gonna grow up and be just like utopian or is he gonna do his own thing and there's just like that over and over and over again Mm -hmm. which i'd imagine got old yeah i i can see why critics didn't love it now we're back in 29 we learned that the woman sheldon was going to marry is not grace and we meet his friend George, a.k.a. Future Skyfox. And it is Black Tuesday season. The company is shit-fucked. And Papa Samson jumps off the roof as he had unknowingly prophesied after waxing poetic about boxes. Poor daddy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did some research about this. Okay. It is kind of a legend that on Black Tuesday, people were jumping out of buildings mm-hmm. and jumping out of windows and committing suicide. That's not true. There were no rises in suicide rates. There was actually lower rates in October, November, and December than there were in the middle of the summer that year, and even less than the year prior to that. So... 
that actually isn't a thing. One of the coroners in New York City actually even came out and made a statement after and was like, hey, shut up. This is not what's happening. But everyone has just ingrained it into kind of legend. But yeah, so if he did actually do this, he might have been the only one. Very interesting. I like the research, David. Hmm. Back in the present, Walton Utopian go to the old hall where the crew used to meet, the crew being Union of Justice. And the crew consists of six, including Walt, Grace, Sheldon, George, and two others. I don't think we ever learn their names officially, in our ends at least. And we learn that George, a.k.a. Sky Fox, had turned against them at some point because of the code. Mm. This next scene is the most interesting of what we saw, in my opinion. As Sheldon and Walt argue about the true evil that's destroying our world and how the code could be tweaked since taking down bank robbers really isn't making an overarching difference. I like this bigger picture stuff, like what we saw in Joker, too, where it's not just superhero versus bad guy. And it's more about realizing that society itself is the quote unquote bad guy that needs to be rehabilitated. It's like a bad guy spawning a machine, basically. And until you turn it off, they're just going to keep coming angrier and with more power. It's an interesting thought experiment, in my opinion. Give me more of that. Yeah, I I enjoyed that, too, especially Walt kind of talking about how he regrets not doing more in World War II. If they intervened more, they could have prevented, you know, the creation of the atomic bomb. They could have prevented Hiroshima and changed the world for the better. But instead, because of the code, they didn't really get overly involved and the world kind of started on a dark path around them. Right. And and like I said, like if you don't fix the problem, which is society, you're just going to have these stupid bad guys that you're going to be fighting and it's never going to end. A never ending treadmill of bad guys. Yes. Yeah. But on the other hand, Utopian's argument also makes sense is like, where does that stop? Where right. do we stop controlling and then ultimately become the dictators of the world? Right. So it's, it's a very interesting argument. Mm-hmm. And it ends with us learning that Black Star has escaped from Supermax. Uh oh. And cut to what the hell is this, David? Why did he escape from prison just to fight superheroes in a big open field? Like, what is this Power Rangers bullshit setup? Why is he there? Why is he in a big field? I think that my argument would be that the Supermax prison or whatever is set out in the middle of nowhere to keep these criminals of potentially superpower-esque rarity away from society so that there would be some kind of buffer and time for people to apprehend them before they made it to populated areas. I would agree with that. But spoiler alert, it's not even really Black Star escaping from prison. It's not really Black Star. And, you know, they're having this conversation in the middle of night and then he's escaped and they're apprehending him in the middle of the day. Was he just like walking through the woods? Yeah. And someone of that nature wouldn't just walk out of prison and then just walk through a field like he'd have some sort of plan where someone was picking him up or he had some sort of vehicle. I just Mm -hmm. it's literally just a setting to make the fighting make sense. And I don't budget cuts. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. They didn't want to have to CGI this in a city. It would have been a disaster. Yeah. So he is kicking Blackstar is kicking the crap out of all 12 or so of the soups that are there. And he even kills Brandon's friend from the club Tectonic and cuts off a no named female soups head. Yeah, that was a lot of death right out the gate. And Utopian is getting his head beat in when Walt, aka Brainwave, manages to pull Blackstar's mind onto some beach, while back in reality, the heroes can beat on him. It doesn't last long, however, and he comes back to reality. As he's about to detonate himself like a nuclear bomb, this is way too nerdy for me, and kill pretty much everybody, <laughs> Brandon saves the day and punches Blackstar so hard in the head, his head turns into a post 
birthday toddler's smash cake. So Blackstar is dead, thankfully, but Utopian has the audacity to be angry at Brandon for it. This is it. This is where the code breaks down. This guy killed two superheroes, and he's about to detonate a nuclear bomb. I'm sorry, you can die now. Like, at a certain point, your life is worth yep. negative. So ridding the planet of your life is a net positive. I guess I understand where Utopian is coming from, that there are, like, other solutions. But if there are other solutions, why didn't he fucking do them? Yeah, he was getting his head smashed in. Regardless of if my dad was a superhero or not, if this dude was about to kill all of us, and however big of a nuclear blast was going to come from him going nuclear and take out, I think he said, like, half the city or whatever. Yeah. Kill kill the motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's not going to stop. No. I just, I can't get behind his logic here. But I think that's the point, because his name is Utopian, and Utopia itself is a misconceived impossibility. So it's built on, in the perfect world, yes, it is a good code. Like, obviously, we don't want to kill people if we don't have to. But sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to in the real world. And this is an example. Yeah, of what I you mean, if, if you're making a decision between millions of people dying in this one bad dude, one bad dude. See yeah. ya. I'm glad we agree. Yeah. So back at the hall, Blackstar in prison garb and readers shows up to view the body of the crushed head Blackstar. And yes, that sentence is real. What? So it was not the real Blackstar that they just killed. It wasn't real Blackstar. Yeah. So it was some sort of clone or twin. And that is how the episode ends. Dun, dun, dun. Interesting twist. So episode eight titled How It All Ends. We are back at the prison. Blackstar is still there sitting, reading a book with his readers in his cell. And the door just spontaneously opens. Ugh, can we talk about Blackstar? He looks like if Jim Carrey's The Mask was played by Drew Carey. <laughs> Or if The Rock played a live action version of that, not the mama, baby from that 90s show, Dinosaurs. <laughs> what are they doing with this guy? Oh, poor Drew Carey. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they could have done a little better. Well, we see the intro, same intro as before. Uh, doesn't look like the intro changes in any way, shape or form throughout the season. We're right out the gate in the past again. You know, it's the late 20s, early 30s or something like that. We don't know exactly. Young Sheldon is sitting in a diner and a radio is playing in the background. It's a newscast basically announcing these new six superheroes that are that popped up and thank God they're American and everyone claps in the diner. It's really spectacular. I just want to butt in real quick. You mentioned that we're we're viewing Young Sheldon. I just don't want our listeners oh. to think that we're talking about <laughs> the Big Bang Theory guy because fuck that yes. guy. Young Utopian. How about that? <laughs> Good. Thank you. <laughs> so Walt comes in and sits down and honestly says, like, you want to meet me in busy places because you want to get recognized as a Utopian. So this is the first we're hearing that, like, they're trying to keep their identity secret, mm -hmm. which is obviously not the case in the future because everyone knows that Brandon is Paragon when they went to the club. So that got lost along the way somehow. They have a conversation about George aka Sky Fox and Utopian talks about how they're close, but not as close as he is with his own brother, Walt. He's just kind of reassuring him that his where his true alliances lay, I suppose. We come back to the present and Walt is laying down on some kind of futuristic looking bed and screaming at the top of his lungs. Apparently, he is trapped in clone or twin Blackstar's mind. <laughs> 
and a young Asian girl is doing something with her powers. It seems to try and give Walt a, a doorway out of that mind. I have a question. How is he in Blackstar's mind if Blackstar's mind was turned into freaking applesauce? Yeah, I don't know. Utopian asks if he can go in to try and help him because it's his brother and he cares. And the girl won't let him. She's like, nope, not happening. Just let him try and get find his way to the door. So then we cut to Chloe, who is waking up from what I assume is a night of passionate lovemaking with a black Zac Efron. <laughs> Should I not say that? I would say a chocolate skinned, a chocolate, chocolate Zac, Efron. Zac Efron. No, that's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> No, I think a black Zac Efron's fine. Okay. So they um, almost immediately get into a fight. He wants to go hang out with some friends, and she's like, oh, those people I don't like. Eh." And then essentially she's like, oh, well, you're the son of uh, the biggest supervillain in the world, and I'm the daughter of the biggest hero in the world, so I guess this could have never worked. And she just storms out. I'm sorry. Does this dude live in a storage locker? I mean, uh, it's just a studio apartment, I think. Did Did you see the door? No. It rolls up. That's cool. No, no, that's not cool. That's contemporary (laughs) modern apartment. Okay, I guess I'm exposed exposed bricks, beams. (laughs) It's a storage locker. He lives in a storage locker. Maybe. (laughs) So are we to believe that this is Sky Fox's son? Yes, I think so, too. 100% lock it in. So after she storms out, he runs to meet with his crew, the, the people he was talking to earlier. Apparently, they're mad that he's sleeping with utopian's daughter because utopian destroyed a dude's van or some bullshit and they leave him on his own to do the quote-unquote job by himself we don't know what the job is but it's it's something nefarious probably Mm -hmm. he uses a magical teleportation rod to go to china he just says china and the rod takes him there (laughs) yep that's not a joke now i suppose i could call him teleport boy At this point, Utopian and Paragon, or Sheldon and Brandon, are meeting at the Union headquarters, and they have a little heartfelt conversation with each other about Sky Fox and the importance of the code and how Brandon is like on board now. He found himself saying his father's words, but this time he really meant them, so he's going to be a good boy now. Mm -hmm. And then they find out that Blackstar has escaped his cell, and the two of them head out to take care of that. So many times in not only this conversation, but many of the conversations that we saw in both ends, Utopian talks about all the sacrifice that he's had to endure. Like he keeps using that word, but what exactly has he had to sacrifice? We don't know what they had to do to get their powers. Jerk off a giant? Like, I don't understand. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. I think that he is referring more so to the sacrifices that you have to make to be a hero. Like, it's just as difficult for him to miss having ice cream with his kids to go save someone as it is for the kids to miss that. Yeah, but you know how many dads have to do that just by working every day? Like, that's not that unnormal. Yeah, but it's a lot of sacrifice. I mean, it's a sacrifice to to work and be a father. I know, but you don't hear me complaining about it all the time. It sounds like it. (laughs) We cut back to Teleport Boy, and he is trying to head into some kind of like safety deposit box looking vault type thing and just kind of does his teleport thing into it. And when he gets there, surprise, this is an airtight room with no oxygen and he can't breathe or speak. So he tries to say, you know, loft to teleport out of this room, but can't because there's no oxygen. So you can't talk. 
There's no sound. Surprise. So he's kind of freaking out for a second, but also trying to get to whatever box he needs to get to to get whatever he came for. And some dudes come in in like oxygen masks ready to beat him up. He fights back and is doing a decent job until eventually one of them just cracks him right on the back of the head with like a baton or some shit. This scuba Steve scene is so much cooler because it has no sound. Like it makes this dude's frantic moves feel more realistic somehow i don't know what it was but i I liked it it was very cool without the sound or Mm -hmm. or that there was sound but it was like super muffled it was almost like that there was a little screen that showed that there was five percent oxygen in the room and it's literally almost like they went okay well we're gonna put five percent of the sound in this scene i liked it so it was just like very cool but chloe shows up in the end she just busts through the ceiling beats the shit out of these dudes punches a hole in the, in the the safety deposit box that he was trying to get into and they take out this other glowing thing. <laughs> yep, no idea what that is. So now we have uh, the blue glowing rod and like a yellow glowing smaller stick. I don't even know how to describe yeah, it. Yeah, butt plug. Yeah. 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 So from here till almost the end of the episode, we are going back and forth between Walt and his situation, brainwave and his situation inside the mind of Blackstar and Brandon or or Paragon and Utopia trying to take care of real Blackstar. So we start off with Walt. He is fighting to get out of Blackstar's head, but it's proving to be challenging. Apparently, he comes across George, who is Sky Fox, and they end up fighting in there. In the meantime, Paragon and the Utopia show up at the prison. They split up to search for Black Star. Of course, Paragon finds him first and gets just immediately overtaken. Like, get your shit together, man. <laughs> your dad was right. You're not ready. <laughs> we cut back and Sky Fox slow motion punches the shit out of Walt. And it is like the slowest slow motion that I've probably ever seen in TV. It was, I didn't look at the exact time, but it was almost a good 45 seconds for one punch. It was like super slow. But it's pretty cool. And we just see that Walt is getting the crap beat out of him. They recognize the fact that that is happening outside of Black Star's mind. Lady Liberty says, put me in there. I'm going. I don't care what you say. Get me in there. Now, is this the wheelchair guy that's helping out? Is that Jim's dad from Miami Connection? Oh, my God. I thought for sure it was Jim's dad from Miami Connection. (laughs) Just they like did him. such a good job of making all of the other old actors look old, except for this guy. <laughs> I don't know what it is about filmmakers that can't figure out how to make a black man look old without nope. just making his hair gray. Nope. That's it. It's, all, it's the only move they it's got. It's just a young guy with gray hair. <laughs> it's unreal. Like, why can't uh, they figure that out? Don't know. But yeah, so Lady Liberty is heading in there. We cut back and Blackstar now has Brandon in kind of a headlock and basically has this confrontation with Utopia where he says, you can either kill me or uphold your precious code, but lose your son. He thinks about it for way too long, <laughs> way too long, way too long. He was going to let his, he was going to let his son die. I have a feeling I'm he was going to let us fairly certain as soon as Grace or Lady Liberty gets inside of Blackstar's head, she Surprises Sky Fox for a second and starts to get the upper hand, but then he shoots her with some kind of freeze ray. I think so. I don't know. That's what it looked like, right? Mm -hmm. 
We cut back to Utopian, who, as we said, took way too long to make this decision. And before he actually even makes a decision, there's this speedy girl who is just fast, who shows up to help out. And they kind of get the upper hand on Blackstar for a moment. We cut back to Sky Fox, who ultimately beats Brainwave or Walt and tells him he's going to show him how it all ends. So he's going to like impart some kind of vision on him about how it all ends. Mm-hmm. We cut back and Blackstar has gotten the upper hand again and is beating the crap out of the Utopian. And Brandon finally steps up and kicks his ass. Looks like he's going to kill him, but then doesn't kill him. Kind of important, I guess. <laughs> We're back to Walt and Lady Liberty. They have finally woken up. We're out of Blackstar's mind. Thank God. Asian girl who was doing the mind tricks says to Walt, you owe me a million bucks and just walks out. So (laughs) apparently she was just a hired gun telekinetic mind weaver for hire. Lady Liberty realizes, though, that Sky Fox imparted some kind of vision or wisdom onto Walt. So she says, I want to see, you know, what that vision was. Brainwave is reluctant at first, but eventually does show her. And what we see is just the Utopian and Paragon dead at Sky Fox's feet. Why show Grace them dead? Like, why not just say, oh, hey, he wants to kill Sheldon and Brandon? Why make her see it? I mean, she asked for. Yeah, but just tell her. But just tell her. There's no sense in making this person see her son and husband, their heads beat in. Just say, oh, yeah, they're dead. Yeah, that's true. Come on, Walt. Yeah. And then at this point, he explains that George or Sky Fox is the one that cloned Blackstar and ambushed him when he entered his head. At this point, Chloe and Teleport Boy go back to his loft safe space type thing and go into his little like vault in the back room of his storage locker or whatever. And he explains that he's going to use the power thing that he stole to find his dad. Mm-hmm. Why does everyone in the show have daddy issues? All shows. Mm-hmm. So at this point, we have, I think, one last flashback to the early days of the Union. They talk about the code, and one of the two guys we don't know, not black guy, <laughs> is has the, the power rod that we just saw Teleport Boy with. This is when we learn that they apparently got their powers on an island. An island with special powers? I haven't had a lost reference. Sign you up. Let me have this, David. This is my lost reference. An island with special powers. Walt has now showed up at that young girl's house who helped him escape Blackstar's mind. She seems like she really hates him, mm-hmm. and he talks about her mother a little bit. So you kind of put it together early, but then they confirm that she is his daughter. Mm-hmm. They kind of start reading each other's minds because they both have that mind reading capability, especially when they're in close proximity. And we learn a few things. We learn that Walt is the one who cloned Blackstar. Walt is the one who released Blackstar from the prison. And Walt's goal is to split apart Paragon and the Utopian causing some unrest within the union ultimately so that he can use that instability to grab the power of the union and be the leader to adjust the code to make the world what he says a better place mm-hmm. but he's definitely willing to kill to make it happen yes because shortly after she says well you now owe me 50 million dollars because i have all this information and he says oh yeah by the way dead And that's the end of the show. (laughs) (laughs) This dude killed his own daughter and lied to his brother, which 
could have gotten him or his son killed all because him and Sheldon disagreed about some investments 90 years ago. Mm-hmm. What, what, what did we miss in the middle? Jesus. Yep. So I know you, you mentioned that this is the end. I mean, technically, there's a scene after where him and Utopian talk. Yeah, they're kind of talking as it as it as this scene happens. It's just them talking about how the Utopian believes that he's losing Brandon. Yeah. I just think as a whole, this ending is poo-poo butter. <laughs> they couldn't even nail a cliffhanger. It's kind of, It just kind of fizzled out. Maybe the whole Walt twist would have had more oomph if we had watched the full thing. I don't like the ending. I just don't think that... I would assume, based on the way it was positioned to us and the way the beginning part of the episode transpired, my assumption is that this was never alluded to or anything in the show prior to this episode. Oh, definitely. I agree. So for someone who had watched like eight hours of this material thinking that this dude was a good guy and then the last 10 minutes, oh, surprise, he's a bad guy. Yeah, that's definitely a twist. I don't know. He's a bad guy, though. He's not a great guy because obviously he killed his daughter and was willing to have Brandon or Utopian killed. But I think the reasons that he's doing it, again, I I don't agree with Utopian's code. I think Utopian's code is outdated AF. So I agree. But in terms of then Sky Fox isn't a bad guy either. I know. I agree. I think that's I think we'll talk about that during the questions. Yeah. But even most bad guys are doing something joker for example he is a quintessential bad guy in the superhero universe but in his mind he is doing the right thing to make the world a better place as screwed up as that is fine i think then i agree with you i think the issue is there is no real bad guy there's just a lot of gray guys yep many gray guys i agree with that Naturally, he has become a bad guy to the union because he's breaking the code. But yeah, in terms of ultimately being a bad guy, no, I think he's trying to, you know, make the world a better place, at least from what we know about it. If he's to take that too far and try and become a dictator, then yeah, he's a bad guy. But yeah, very interesting. Perfect. Before we dive into our questions, David, I think we need a break. And that is the perfect time for a center commercial. Center Commercials. Today's episode is brought to you by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. If you're a regular listener, you know that we are proud Podgo ad purveyors. If you're a fellow podcaster, be like us and monetize the right way. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add the center cut in the how did you hear about Podgo section of the application. It's our duty of the Union of Podcast Justice to uphold the code. All right. Well, David, we have many questions to answer about the middle, which will help us mm. understand, question mark. Yeah, probably not, but maybe. <laughs> First couple questions here come to us from Reddit user Cloud Songs. First question, what is the code? To Utopian's phone, and it is 100% 6969. No, I think the code is, a couple things are obvious. We know it's never kill anybody, no self-endorsement, no political policy change. We saw those three in the ends. Mm-hmm. I guess the question is, is there more to the code? Now, they eventually let people know who they are on like 1929. Yep. Always call for backup if you can, or or rather like never do it alone. Yeah. I didn't know if that was part of the code as much as just part of like 
Paragon's training because he likes to be a hero. Maybe. But yeah, that could be part built into the code. Maybe. We should come up with a code for the podcast. Like three mm. never or or no things. Mm. I have three submissions. Let's hear them. Never tip more than 20%. It makes the rest of us look bad. Not doing that. No dessert is a bad dessert. Except for Doritos. And never shop brick and mortar on Black Friday, you savage. <laughs> Those are all terrible. What what do you mean? I don't agree to any of those. What? Oh, you're one of those people who shops on Black Friday and says, oh, can't believe they have you working. (laughs) No, I don't say that. I'm not an asshole. Like, I remember (laughs) doing this. It sucks. Sorry. But I don't necessarily go out every Black Friday, but I I try and get up some of the deals. I'm more of a Cyber Monday type dude. Yeah, it's Cyber, man. Cyber. That doesn't affect anybody. It affects the robots. And you know what? Screw the robots. Yeah, there were a few years I did brick and mortar Black Friday. I guess I don't do that as much. So that that one I'm okay with. The other two are absolute garbage. All right, we'll think on it. Nope, we won't think about it. We're not doing (laughs) it. Our second question from Cloud Songs is, what's Chloe's damage? That haircut. Woof. (laughs) No, I... I think I think it's obviously something in between when we see her playing superheroes as a kid and then when we see her at I think late 20s or mid 20s. Now, she makes mention in episode 1 that dad should have been around more. I don't think it was anything malicious since Utopian has this perfect persona, but maybe like he left her somewhere inadvertently and she was harmed. IE like he took her to go get ice cream and then he got the call for help and left her. And maybe some weird dude groped her, et cetera. And she blames her dad for it, not the actual perpetrator. Interesting. But that brings up a bigger question for me. Like, where do you assign blame there? Like, obviously, it's almost all the abuser. But wouldn't the dad have some blame? I'm talking like 10% max, but it's got to be more than zero. I don't know. I'm like, I'm I'm openly questioning it. I don't, I guess I don't even know that I agree with the words that are coming out of my mouth. I mean, you're openly discussing it with yourself. So this is interesting. Well, what do you think? What do you think? Is there, is, if that example is true. If something like that happened, then I, I think that a parent has a duty to protect their child. And if it was a situation in which he would have been there but wasn't because he was off doing a superhero thing or something like that and left her in a precarious unsafe position then yeah i, w- I would lay some blame uh, on him for that what percentage are we talking uh, uh, i i mean it depends how obvious it is if it is like what you said where it's like you know they were walking through an alleyway with a bunch of a bunch of <laughs> hooligans, gangbangers. Yeah. yeah. And then he was like, oop, got to go and just fucking left her there. Yeah, that I would I would almost tip over 50 percent on that one. But but I think if it's if it's more obtuse where it's just, oh, he would have been there if he wasn't off saving someone. It's like, yeah, well, OK, dad would have been at your baseball game if he wasn't at war. Then I would say, you know, 10 percent or less. What about this scenario? What if somebody is aiming for your ear, they shoot a gun, and then you move two inches to the left and it hits you in the middle of the forehead? Like, are you, who's to blame there? I honestly don't know. I mean, the shooter. Yeah, but. They're trying to harm me in general. But they were only going to, they were only going to shoot your ear. You're the one who got yourself killed by getting shot in the head because you moved your head. No, that, that one is horseshit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, I think Chloe gets diddled while eating Dairy Queen is what. Okay. Yeah, that is a good summary of my whole conversation. (laughs) Yeah, so I think it's just, uh, I don't think anything that absurd even happened. I just think that she has daddy issues. Like, it's just, she felt like having absent parents, so it was really easy for her to 
fall into the wrong crowd or to to kind of have to make decisions on her own without parents to really bounce that those ideas off of or, or to kind of help her make those decisions. And I just think that over the course of time led her down the wrong path. Okay. Fair enough. Last question from Cloud Songs. What has changed since the parents got their superpowers? I think this is a direct quote from the show, and I think the actual answer is everything. Literally, like Lady Liberty says, everything. And that's the end of that scene. I think that is a broad question. We don't see it. I assume they got their powers either in 1929 or soon after 1929. Yeah. There was the mention of the special island. So... I'm going to talk about it more in some of my questions here, but I think that they're on a boat trip with George. They experience another crash, this time a non-financial one, and the other people on the boat are the other people who become soups. They all have their powers now. That's what happens. Sheldon leaves his fiance, and he ends up with Grace. George fights the code. The crew fights him. JFK gets shot in the 60s. And thank God we don't have to watch yet another show grapple with that timeline and trying to save his Irish ass. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest problems with the code is that the world is so much different now than in the 20s. It's exactly why backwater swamp dwellers that cling to a centuries old document, the Constitution, forged by people fighting against King George is fucking dumb. Like, it's it's a whole different world now. We have to have different code. See, I... I agree and disagree with you at the same time. I think that it is possible for one person to exact pretty immediate and terrible change in the world quickly. Maybe easier now, but it still was a problem back then. I mean, think about World War II. Okay, they see Hitler rising to power in Germany, and then they decide, hey, let's um, let's just go kill Hitler. <laughs> And then before the war even breaks out, they just kill Hitler and prevent all of the war. Mm -hmm. So that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. So it's like you're saving millions and millions of lives for taking one small mustachioed man. I think that the code was still out of date back then, uh, or maybe not out of date, but it, the code was still kind of flawed back then as it is now, maybe more so now. But I think that it was always flawed in that you are never willing to make the judgment of the many outweigh the few. Yeah. The inherent grappling of most superheroes is like, where does that line lie? Not that the line doesn't exist. That's crazy Yeah. that, you know, Blackstar was willing to kill millions of people and you weren't willing to punch his face in to save millions of people to save this big man who looks like a green potato. It almost makes you just as bad as him. Agreed. If you didn't do anything about it, and you knew that you could. Say Paragon didn't bust his face in because his dad says you shouldn't bust your face in. And then he explodes. And even if they survive because they're superheroes, let's say they don't die in it, which they probably would have. But let's say they don't even die. But millions of people around the area died. Are you going to be able to live with yourself after that? Your stupid code prevented you from stopping the death of millions of people all because you couldn't couldn't bring yourself to kill a person. Right. Like that, I mean, it, it speaks to a lot of people and, and that hero complex. It's like, okay, if I'm in a crowded movie theater and a shooter comes in and I happen to have a gun on me, I'm not even for a second thinking, oh, I don't want to kill this person. They could just have some mental problems. It's like, well, yes, they could. And I agree with that. And if there is a way to avoid conflict, then yes. But if they're coming and shooting, I'm taking them out. Like yeah. period, end of story. Mm -hmm. And like that. I'm never going to sacrifice other lives just because 
I didn't want to have to make the tough decision. Right. And it almost makes me feel that Utopian is taking the easy way out and never having to make that decision by saying, oh, we're just, we don't kill. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes you might have to, but right. if you're not willing to make that hard decision, then you're not worthy of these powers. 100%. Okay. So our next set of questions comes from an Instagram user, Todd Leiden. He has his own Toddcast podcast. Not the same Toddcast podcast that we were on a few weeks ago. A different Toddcast podcast. We have a lot of Toddcast friends. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. I don't know how that's possible. His first question is, who is that Asian girl? Just like the last question, that is a broad question. Get it? Because it's about a girl. Except this one is of a very Asian variation. Podgo, are you hearing this? You are getting a steal. I am worth millions with this wordplay. So as far as I can recall, we saw no such Asian girl. You think that Brainwave's daughter is Asian? Yes. Okay. I didn't think so. I think that he is confusing this show with boys and Komiko. Oh. Or maybe was one of the lowlifes that hung out with Chloe's boyfriend Asian? Uh, I don't think so, but I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. Well, I thought he was talking about Brainwave's daughter, so that's my answer. Well, then, yeah, I guess that's the answer then. It's Brainwave's daughter, Todd. Yep. His second question is, where did Josh Duhamel get that awful wig? Party City. (laughs) You mean he didn't just grow out his hair and dunk it in unflavored fun dip powder? (laughs) No, I know it looks ridiculous, but I got to come clean. I don't hate it. Like, at least they went for something. No, I I honestly actually don't think it was that bad. No, I just listen. Do I think that it fits his clean cut picture perfect persona? No, probably not. But imagine if somebody like Blackstar wore that mop. Insta nightmare. Oh, great. <laughs> that would be great. We also don't know because Lady Liberty's hair is longer too. Is it even possible for them to cut their hair? <laughs> I would say yes because Walt's hair is actually, I think, shorter than what it was. Well, maybe Walt's just balding, but balding <laughs> as a superhero means that your hair doesn't grow as, as quickly. Uh, that's something no one talks about. Is it like Superman? Has like skin of steel, then you could shoot him and it just bounces right off. I would imagine that cutting through his hair is like cutting through wires. Yeah. (laughs) All superheroes should have like six foot long, like braided hair. That explains it, David. That is why there's such a bulge in their pants. It's all their pubes. (laughs) It's a bush. (laughs) Now we know. See, they just have. They have a, a Zohan level bush in their pants yep. and they can't get rid of no. it because they can't cut it. <laughs> That's what protects their crotch region yep. is their, their metal bush. Yep. Metal bush. Yep. I'd imagine you, you open up his pants and it just looks like steel wool down there. <laughs> Wooly willy. All right. So the next set of questions come from my wife because not a lot of people watch this show. Yeah. What the heck? Reddit, you failed us. Except for Cloud Songs. Yeah, thank you, Cloud Songs. We appreciate you. So my wife's first question, where does Hutch get transported to when he tells his power stick to go to dad? Before I answer the question, (laughs) I have to say, go to dad. It reminds me of the only Simpsons quote that I ever reference. I'm not a huge Simpsons fan, but like I watched a lot of episodes when I was a kid. Lisa is babysitting Bart and she tells him to go to bed. But she then sees him eating in the kitchen, eating bread, and he's like, oh, I thought you said go to bread. And I don't know. I I just love that quote for whatever reason. And when he said go to dad, it reminded me of go to bread. Anyway, I think that Hutch is Chloe's boyfriend, right? Yeah. We think his dad is Sky Fox. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that Sky Fox is not dead, but trapped in some sort of hologram zoo or Westworld marble bullshit. But I don't think that where he is is impenetrable by mortals like Mohawk Man Hutch. So I think Emily is tricking us like Reddit users like to do. And I bet he goes nowhere. I think it makes a noise like when all of my crappy cars won't start. And it makes him realize that his dad is somewhere, just somewhere that he can't currently get to. And that's why he goes on this trip to get whatever that fancy glowing butt plug is. It's not a bad idea. Pretty good call. Thank you. My answer is the other dude's house. This is what I'm saying in that. (laughs) So the two superheroes that we don't know of Mm. that were the original six are Jim's dad and and that other the other guy who originally had the rod. I think that it transports him to that dude. Mm. Either he's just retired somewhere or maybe he's dead and it transports him to his grave or something like that. But it's because the rod misconstrued that as the father of the rod, like the Uh. rod's dad, not his dad right so it brings him to him right because we did see in the flashback that the other guy we don't know it was his rod which sounds dirty but i like both of our theories mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right emily's next question what does sheldon get at miller's farm and what does he see he gets a shroom and then while he's tripping balls he sees a vision of the island and how to get the powers because they do talk about how he had a vision And that George is the only one who trusted him in going in in like following that vision and which is what ultimately led them to getting their powers. So I do actually think that this is not like you said, where they just crashed on an island and got their powers. I think that they sought out the island and to get the powers. And I think that he had that vision while he was on drugs. And for that reason, no one believed him except George. Ooh, I didn't like your theory at first, but the more you talked about it, I kind of liked it. Because we have to keep in mind that his dad just jumped off a building. So you think when your dad jumps off a building, you take shrooms. When you're a rich kid whose dad just jumped off a building, I feel like there's a very good chance that you're going to lose control for a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. So I went in a completely different direction. I think that this is about early 2000s Sheldon, and he gets a pony for Chloe at Miller's farm to try to make it up to her for the quote-unquote damage. Now, I think what he sees, I think this is the first time he meets Blackstar, and he sees him doing something bad like beating up a farmhand. <laughs> now, I have a question. Are we supposed to believe that Blackstar is a real man, or is he some sort of like Frankenstein creature created by some dude like rolling around in rotten rock candy or some shit? Like, I, I don't know how he was created, but is he a man or is he like a creature? <laughs> the way he's just like reading books and wears glasses and shit makes me feel like he was a, just a normal dude at one point. Okay. And now is is an abomination like that. Okay. He was hanging out with his Geodude, Geodude Pokemon, Pokemon card outs. I can't speak, so never mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, oh, man, I'm so sad we missed that Geodude reference. Uh. <laughs> All right. Well, where do they find Richard in 1929? Why do they need him before going to the island? So I'm going to attach this to my boat crashing theory. And I think Richard is the African-American man in the wheelchair with the scarred face. And I think he was the boat captain. And that's why we need him before getting to the island. And they find him on a boat. So I am on the same wavelength, but I think Richard is the other guy, Rodman. Okay. Not Rod Boy, Rodman. Richard Rodman. I like it. 
Yeah, Richard Rodman. And similar to yours, they find him like drunk in a bar on some coastal town and they need to fly to the island and he's the only pilot within the area. Hmm. So same general idea of like that he was their their way of getting to the he island. He is the sh- vehicle chauffeur. Yes. Okay. Agreed. All right. Emily's next question. Who figures out the island is testing them? Walter. Lock it in. Really? Okay. I- I'm torn between two answers. I think it's either Sheldon or George, a.k.a. Sky Fox. I could see it being Sheldon because that would explain why he's the de facto leader. And like, hey, I figured it out. Y'all need to bow to me in my scraggly hair. Because why is he in charge otherwise? Like, why does he get to call all the shots and make up the code and all of that? If he wasn't the one who. Yeah, I assumed it was just because he's like the one who had the initial vision and set them on the path to getting powers. But but yeah, it could make sense that he was just kind of like the vehicle in which they figured out how to get their powers right i i also think though i could also see it being george because he sort of seems to be the misunderstood genius of the group Mm. like he's he's the one who was always anti-code and ended up being a villain but turns out he was probably right i think i'm gonna go with my man sky fox and i think if the crew didn't have the stupid code like we wouldn't be where we are today so I'm, i'm going sky fox here i have a thought okay what if George wasn't anti-code? What if Walter was anti-code and George figured it out and instead of just killing George and being done with it because they're both superheroes, he convinced his brother that George is a bad guy. So Walter is actually the bad guy from the beginning. But wouldn't they have wouldn't they have been like, "Hey George, what do you think about the code?" <laughs> like they would they wouldn't have talked with him. Like he would have had to have been doing some bad stuff. I, I think they would have. They would have talked to him a little bit. But one is that you're talking about Walter who has the ability to control people's minds. Mm. So he could have just taken control of his mind and made him someone who he isn't. I don't know what the extent of his mind controlling type powers are. But I, I don't know. There's just something about it that just makes me feel like Walter was the bad guy in that whole instance as well, and that. He convinced everyone that George was bad because George was going to uncover the fact that he was not following the code. Interesting. I like the idea in theory. I don't know that I can follow you all the way down, but I'm open to it. I like it. Hmm. All right. So next from Emily, why is Chloe hospitalized? Who brings her to the hospital? David, you know me. I'm all for eating pussy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got it in. I got it in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Is this back to her damage? (laughs) Like, maybe it meant physical damage and not, like, emotional damage. Oh, like, she broke broken leg. <laughs> maybe she was scalped, and her horrible head covering is not her real hair. It's just a wig. <laughs> that would explain a lot. So I'm changing my answer from before. If she wasn't diddled at a Dairy Queen, I think that she was left at home by herself, and she got her hair stuck in the ceiling fan when she did some super jump up in the air. They had to cut it off, and since it was so deep in her scalp, she couldn't regrow it. Or what if the diddling was more serious and she got, like raped you're going too far david and (laughs) you it's only you who's going too far not me sorry you just (laughs) talked about her getting scalped in her own living room but fine uh i think the person that brings her to the hospital i think that she has a close relationship with walt so i'm gonna guess that he brought her to the hospital and it was his way of kind of giving a dig towards sheldon too like you suck at being a parent mr perfect i gotta bring your daughter to the hospital that's my answer. Mm. Walt brought her to the hospital because she got her hair ripped off. Interesting. I think that she almost ODs. 
or actually does OD, I suppose, mm-hmm. but doesn't die from it because she's a superhero. Okay. And I think that Black Efron is the one who brings her to the hospital. Hutch. All right. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I can call him Hutch now, huh? <laughs> Black Efron. That's fine. Emily's next question. What do they ask mm-hmm. Chloe to do at her photo shoot that makes her mad? And what does she throw at the shoot that gets her fired? So I think they probably allude to her superhero-ness and try and make her do something superhero-esque. And that just solidifies that argument that she had with her dad that she wouldn't have these jobs if she wasn't a superhero and have these gifts. So when they ask her to like lift a car over her head or some bullshit like that, and she just gets real mad and picks it up and like throws it across the room. So I'm going to say car. And that's what she throws is the thing that they forced her to lift. Okay. I think that they have her do the Lady Liberty pose like her mom, which I'm guessing is just standing like the Statue of Liberty. And (laughs) Chloe's her own person. So I don't think she wants to do anything like her parents. In terms of what does she throw? What is what's the Statue of Liberty holding a torch and a book, right? A torch and and a a book of laws. Yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's either of those. That's boring. Well, she presumably has super strength, so it's going to be something big. I don't think there's anything that big on set, though. Like she's just doing a photo shoot. Maybe it's just a smoothie she's drinking between takes. I don't know. I got nothing. So a smoothie. No, that, that's why I think they're like making her lift something to show her super strength. And that whatever that thing is, that's what she threw. I'm going with smoothie. Smoothies are just milkshakes for sad people. Write that down. Smoothies, milkshakes for sad people. Okay. Yep. Why is there a hole in the wall of Chloe's apartment? Another smoothie? Maybe. No, I, I'm i questioning now whether that storage locker we saw was her apartment and not his. Let's say it's hers. I bet she got mad at Hutch's hair and hurls that power stick through the wall. They get in a big fight. They have passionate post-fight sex. And they use that hole during sexy times. It's like when you're on the border of a state and you can be like, I'm in Massachusetts and Vermont at the same time. I'm a dork. (laughs) You can be like that. But like, we're having sex in the bedroom and the kitchen at the same time, (laughs) which I guess is like all people who live in studio apartments do all the time. I'm kind of jealous. I've never had to live in a studio apartment. I kind of want to live in one. Simultaneously having sex in the whole apartment (laughs) at once. I think that she was drunk and high and sneezed and the sneeze (laughs) just blew a hole through the wall. (laughs) Yeah. I think uh, judging off of the first episode and her like getting emotional and screaming, I have a feeling that there is quite a bit of like her accidentally using her powers or being under the influence and using them when she shouldn't type of stuff, like really showing that she just doesn't give a shit about the code. And I think this is just a a, a funny example of it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's literally the first scene of the whole season is her using her powers when she shouldn't be. So I hear you. Yeah. Next question from Emily. How do Sheldon and Grace meet? So I think that she was probably... My guess is that she's like a dancer on Broadway or something like that. And he sees her perform in a show and it's just kind of like love and first sight. I hate to say it, but this is this all goes back to my boat theory again. Oh, I'm going to tie it into the last question, too. But I think that they meet on the boat before it crashed on the Magic Island. It just it all makes too much sense. Interesting. What if her and Richard are related? They're different colors. I don't think so. Oh, right. You think Richard's the rod man. Mm hmm. Okay, maybe. What was Grace's occupation before getting superpowers? I think she was a boat stewardess or whatever they're called. Not a bosun. God, you'd think with all these below deck episodes I was forced to watch when my wife was pregnant would come in handy. 
No, nah, just kidding. Nobody would think that. Bravo is to quality as this analogy joke is to comedy. It sucks. I think that she worked on the boat, and when they crashed on the island, they all the people on the boat became the superheroes. That's it. It was a small boat. Very small boat. Six people. Yeah. I think she was a dancer on Broadway, and they fell in love, and shortly after is when they went to the island. All right. Perfect. Well, that answers all the questions we have about the middle, Dave. Wow. The only thing left to do to wrap this episode up is center counts. Center counts. Oh, boy. I gave this one hmm, a three out of seven. Me too. Three out of seven. I wanted to give it higher because I do enjoy superhero stuff much more than you do, I think. I probably wouldn't would have given it higher if there was more storyline that I felt like connected like we talked about if they leaned more into the discussion of whether or not the code was good bad with the world and what's going on in the world stuff like that but what i don't need is like chloe and her daddy issues brandon not feeling like he's good enough and i i also some of some of the acting was iffy Mm -hmm. and like we already talked about some like the budget points that they had like locations that they chose and stuff like that weren't ideal so three is kind of as high as i can go on this one Yeah, I liked it more on the first watch. The second time through, the cracks were more evident. And that finale sucks super dick. I don't care at all about Walt and the whole inner mind fight with George. I just, it didn't connect with me. And again, maybe it would have meant more if we watched the full thing. Still, though, I thought I was going to hate this show going in. And I was at least intrigued enough by the idea slash story. And... Dumel was a better actor than I gave him credit for. I thought because he was on TNT shows that like he was going to be garbage. He was good. I like don't him. you talk about Las Vegas like that. I just I hope I never have to see Black Star's wrinkly scrotum face ever again. I felt like there really wasn't much that could have happened in the middle. No, really. We ended with, oh, it's a clone of Black Star and he escaped. What's going on? And then like. At the very end of the, or at the very beginning of the last episode, it was like, oh, here, here's what happened. And it's like, okay, so there was no, nothing in between. Yeah, what happened in the six hours? Did we just learn how they got their powers and that's it? Chloe did drugs and Brandon just punched some more heads in or something. I don't know. Yeah. But it, it just felt like there couldn't have been a lot in the middle. No, but I'm intrigued enough. I want to, f- I'm going to have to probably Google after this and find out what episode we learn about how they get their powers. I want to at least see that. I want to see how they got their powers. Yeah. Well, we are long. So, David, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what do we have coming down the good old pipes? Boy, howdy. So, 6-9, <laughs> we're going to be doing Frequency with comedian Nick Dees. Yeah, I've never heard of this movie, but I looked up the synopsis, and it sounds like something I would love. So, I'm glad that Nick Dees brought this to our attention. He is on Instagram at Nick Dees Comedy, D-E-E-Z, like D's nuts. So check him out. That episode is going to be a blast. Yeah. So naturally, that's our next proper episode. In the meantime, next Wednesday, we will have a new center chat coming your way where we are going to discuss if we would rather be born with superpowers or acquire them in our 20s. So either be the young superheroes or the old guys. I think that'll be a good discussion. I think so, too. There, I think there's some pros and cons on both sides. So make sure you are subscribed so that thing auto downloads when it comes out. Yeah. Instagram is where it's at, at the center cut on there. But if you want to see us on Facebook or Twitter, we're, we're there too. But yeah, go hit us up. Yes, please. And if you have any feedback, send that to the center cut cast at gmail.com. And please, again, 
please subscribe if you're not. We really appreciate the auto downloads. Follow. Dave, we forgot to talk about it, but this is our 50th episode. We're so good at this by now. 50 in and we're so good. We have so many episodes that our podcast needs to have a prostate exam. Yep. We should have already had at least one, if not two colonoscopies by this point. Well, we have. We have had, (laughs) between the two of us, we've had multiple colonoscopies. We also watched a colonoscopy, so. (laughs) Yeah, we are, we're right on track. Yeah, so we're We're good on on colonoscopies. (laughs) Another few more episodes and we're going to have the floppiest balls. (laughs) What a good celebration to 50 episodes. (laughs) Uh, Just wait till we get to 69. Ooh, yeah. David. I think that's it for Jupiter's Legacy and this episode. Ooh, baby. Like the sweat between those tights and those Demel abs, it's always better in the center. 